church. How's everybody doing today? So good to see you guys. How many of you parents would say it's been a good summer, but thank goodness it's over. Amen. All right. Anybody say that today? Our kids are going back to school. That's all good, and we're happy about that. And uh, we're good for, glad for good routines and getting back into a normal uh, routine again. And uh, we've enjoyed what's happened this summer. But uh, I, I uh, love the summertime. I do like a nice fall as well. I like football. I like, as I've said before, wearing uh, hoodies with shorts. All right. Amen. That's what the fall's for. And uh, so we're just really uh, excited about what's, uh, what's coming. And I'm especially excited about what's coming here at Access Church in the next uh, few months as we continue to grow together, we get our community groups up and running, our student communities back up and running. All those things that are going, we're just excited about what God has in store for you uh, this season. Uh, we're in a series called Cannonball, and we're talking about the kind of life that Jesus has for all of us. And he doesn't want you just to put your toe in the water. He wants you to jump all in. He wants you to go all in uh, for him. He wants you to cannonball in terms of your relationship with him. And when Jesus first called those first disciples, he invited them into a great relationship with him. And when he did that, things were forever going to be different for these guys. Now, I read this last week, and we've read it often at Axis. But I want you just to listen to the call of the disciples from Matthew 4. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And from there he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in the boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them and immediately they left their boat and their father and they followed him. Those words immediately and at once let you know that these individuals, these guys were all in for Jesus. It was something about who he was, something about uh, his character, something about his mission, something about the call of these guys that was just so compelling that they literally left their family business, left it all behind. And that moment, in that moment, it was a life-changing moment for them. But it wasn't an immediate change all at once. We know from the stories of the Gospels that it took a while for these guys to kind of get it right. They kept messing up and messing up, and Jesus would redirect them. Jesus would correct them. And, and, and don't you guys know, and Josh referred to this last week as well, that, that when we come to Christ, there is a transformation. We are transformed into his likeness. We are changed. We're promised heaven when we die. We're forgiven of our sins. We're given the Holy Spirit. So when you are saved, there are things that change right away. Just like when the disciples first said yes to Jesus, there was life change. But then there is also not just transformation, but now you are being conformed into his likeness over time. You are being conformed into his likeness. Uh, on July 4th, we had a family reunion up at my uncle's house, and I was to go pick up my aunt, my great aunt, Genevieve. This is my grandmother's youngest sister. She is now in her 90s, and she's the only one left of that generation, all right? So go pick her up. So I went to go pick her up. My mom was in the back seat. And by the way, their conversation was so fun. These ladies just talking about life and everything. And it was just really fun to listen to them. But when I got out of the car, my, my, my great aunt Genevieve, as soon as I got out of the car, said, oh my, that is Don Sams right there, meaning my dad. Now we have always resembled each other. And apparently I, as I get older, the more I look like him. 
but I was born into his likeness, but the older that I get, I'm being conformed into his likeness. In other words, if I just parted my hair on the side, put glasses on, and wore like, you know, older man's clothing, I don't know, but we would look a lot alike. And, uh, and sometimes even some of my other family members will be like, oh, you just, oh, that look you just gave, that's just like your dad, being conformed into his likeness. Now, can I add to what Josh said there just for a moment? And that is, can we pull the lens back on this entire process that God has for us? And I'm going to give you two more orm words, all right? And here's one of them, and that is we are formed by God. The reality is he created you just like you are, your personality, who you are right now today. You are formed by God. You are made by him. But then we are deformed by sin. So sin tarnishes what God has formed. In other words, the beauty that God formed, we tarnish by our sin. That is why we need to be transformed by Christ in a moment. Why we need to be transformed by, by the power of the Almighty God. So that we can be reformed or conformed into the likeness or to the image of Christ. God forms us. Sin deforms us. We are transformed by the power of the Almighty God through our salvation, and then through a process over time, we are conformed into the likeness of the image of God. That is how God changes us. And today, what I want to talk to you guys about is the process or the vehicle with which God uses to conform us into Christ's likeness. What is the vehicle, the primary vehicle that God uses to conform us into the likeness of Christ? And that is what we talk a lot about around here, relationships. I don't know about you, but it is hard for me on my own to keep commitments. I, I need other people around me to encourage me and challenge me. If you said to me today, I want to start eating better, or you, you said, I said to you, I want to start eating better, I would not be as successful on my own. And some of you guys who know me well, you know that. I love a nice sweet southern barbecue potato chip, and I can eat the whole bag, you know? How many of you can say amen? And I like a good ginger ale that is slightly frozen just enough that it becomes a slushy if you shake it up. I love these things, but if you say to me, hey, let's eat better, and, and we're going to do a clean eating challenge, I can go there. I'm all in. I don't know what I'm going to eat, mostly eggs, but I will eat. I'll go there. Let's go together, all right? Let's make it happen, because when we are a team... I can make it, all right? And when I think about a team, I think about Hebrews chapter 12. It's one of my favorite passages. He says about the team that we are on, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with endurance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of the Father. He starts with the word therefore, and anytime you see the word therefore, you have to see what it's there for, and what it's there for is Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, in other words, in light of what happened in the previous chapter, now I want to give you some more information. What happened in Hebrews chapter 11? He was describing all of the heroes of the faith and what they did and how amazing it was and how God worked in their life and how he shut the lion's mouths and how he delivered them from the fiery furnace and all these things. Just people who were conquering, conquering over and over and over again. But then he also talks about heroes of the faith that were born in difficulty. In other words, they, they didn't see all of the promises of God revealed in their life 
until they passed. In other words, their life was a life of struggle. And he said, regardless, if you are involved in walking out of the fiery furnace or if you are in suffering right now, God is still with you. So some of you today, you're walking in discouragement. You're trying to walk by faith, but you can't see the end. You aren't sure what's going on. He says to you today, therefore, you need to remember that you are surrounded by a crowd of witnesses crowd of people who are encouraging you on. Let us strip off every weight that holds us down, especially the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And I, I thought about that analogy that he's using there, running the race as, as an analogy for our faith life, our life in Christ. And I thought, well, that doesn't really go with my cannonball analogy. I, I can't really run in the pool very well. But then I thought about another race, and for the next two minutes, I want you to watch this race. Check it out. This final, but France has taken the lead up there in lane five over the United States. Colin Jones, probably the slowest leg of the four. He earned that spot to be on the relay in the prelims. awaits as the anchor guy and Jason Lezak is going to have to make up some ground on Elaine Bernard who stands six feet five and can absolutely fly. I just don't think they can do it Dan. I mean Jason Lezak has been there how many times in his career has he anchored this free relay and medley relay but I just don't think he can do it. He's trying to ride that wave as much as possible. Bernard is pulling away from him. States trying to hang on a second. They should get the silver medal. But Lezak is closing a little bit. Can the veteran chase him down and pull off a shocker here? Here comes Lezak. Unbelievable at the end. He's done it. Now, if that didn't get you pumped up, I don't know what will. Like, USA, USA. And uh, really exciting. But I love that because here are these guys who have trained and put all the effort in, all the dedication, and all the teamwork. And here they are at the end celebrating with one another, arms around each other. And, and, and we are part of this. We are part of the team. We are in it together, and we are celebrating the victory. And I want you to think about that kind of dedication, that kind of teamwork today, that kind of training as we think about Hebrews chapter 12, and just for a few minutes, I just want to walk you through these two verses of Scripture, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Here's the first thing you need to remember. For those who want to cannonball, for those who want to make it to the end, for those who are all into Jesus, you need to remember that you're part of a team. If you're discouraged, if you're frustrated, and, and if you're struggling today, remember that you are part of a team. The Bible says, remember those who have gone before us. Remember Cain and Abel. The first individuals we read about in Hebrews 11, Abel had this amazing legacy of faith. He worshiped God authentically. He speaks, the Bible says, even though he is, has died. In other words, his life still speaks to us. Remember Noah, whose faith overcame all doubt and built an ark to protect his family. And he said, make sure that you are cultivating a faith like Noah. 
He says, remember Abraham who followed God's vision even though he didn't know where he was going. And he waited 24 years for the child that God promised. And in the ultimate test of faith, he proved he was even willing to sacrifice his child. Remember Moses who lived for God and refused to be known as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. He valued God's treasure more than the treasure of this world. Remember Rahab who had an amazing faith in God. And he said, when you are on this journey of faith, when you are in this race, remember that there are people who rally around you. You are part of a team. It is so important to be part of a team. And the Bible says, if you want to know those stories, then make sure to read and know those stories. Read them. Romans chapter 15, verse 4 says, such things were written in the scripture long ago to teach us. The scripture gives us hope and encouragement. If you're down for a little hope and a little encouragement, read the stories of those who have gone before you. It will inspire you. It will encourage you. And the individuals in the Bible, remember that they were part of a team. They were part of a greater mission. I'm thinking about David, who had his best friend, Jonathan, to support and encourage him. I'm thinking about Paul, who had Barnabas and Timothy to encourage him and for him to encourage. Jesus had Peter and James and John. It is critically important. If you're going to make it to the end of the race, you have to have a team. Today is community group sign-up day. And after the service, we're going to have an opportunity to go right next door, find a group, talk to the leaders of that group, and decide, is this a team that I can participate in? Why do we need that? Because we all need to be encouraged. We all need support. And you might say today, I, I don't have a plan for this. I'm like, well, if you don't have a plan, then just join our plan. Join a team at Access, and there's all kinds of teams. This is why there's uh, Access student community for those who are in 6th grade through 12th grade. You can join a team of other students in your school system right here at church who are trying to live out the faith. You, if you're a young adult, you can join our young adult community, and you can say, I want to be part of this. And by the way, the young adult community is part of a broader community now that we at Axis are calling Abide. Actually, these guys started it, are running with it, and I drove by here Monday night two weeks ago. They've now moved from the coffee shop into this room. There were so many cars in our parking lot. Every spot was filled in the back and the front, and one row on this side of the grass and three rows on that side of the grass over 200 young adults were in here just worshiping for two hours. If you want to be part of a young adult community, it's a strong community here. My mom has a group in Middletown for women over 60. Women over 60, they have a targeted audience, amen. And they've said, we've got women over 60. They're going to come together, and they are learning and growing, and they're inviting. Mom said, I saw a lady at Goodwill. My mom loves Goodwill, by the way. This, just this last week, I had my son Benjamin. I'm like, could you take a video of her walking around the house and describing trinkets? Because we aren't going to know. None of us know if this little item came from 1893, some great-great-grandmother, or if it came from Goodwill last week. And I'm telling you the truth. That is the absolute truth. She is a trinket person. But you can join that group. And there are all kinds of groups. And why is that important? So that you can link arm in arm and say, we are in this together. You need support. You need encouragement. You need challenge. You need accountability, 
And you also need to be on mission as a group. We're going to talk more about that next week and then in the weeks to come. We are really going to emphasize that everybody needs to get out of the upper room. And you're going to hear me say that phrase. What would have happened to any of us if Jesus and his 12 disciples just said, hey, let's just hang around here and let's, let's have the Passover feast. Let's take the Lord's Supper. Let's wash each other's feet. But let's just keep it right there. How many of you know none of us would even be here today? So you got to get out of the upper room. We're going to talk about that. We want every group to make sure that you are outwardly focused on mission, okay? So join a team. Number two, Hebrews chapter 1 and 2 says you need to remove barriers. Remove barriers. Now, when it comes to swimming, swimmers try to remove every barrier they can. They cover their head so their hair doesn't mess things up. They wear this special suit oftentimes so they are slicker in the water, I mean, it, even if you're a dude, they expect you to shave your legs because the slightest little hair follicle might mess up your speed. Remove any barrier that will hold you back. And we all have barriers. Our self-image is a barrier. Our fear of the past is a barrier. Our fear to get involved with other people is a barrier. Our trust of people is a barrier. Our sin is a barrier. There's all kinds of barriers out there. He said, get rid of anything that slows you down. Hebrews 12.1 says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And sin is just missing God's mark. That's what it means. The Bible says all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of God's glory. That includes me. That includes you. We all do it. And that's why he says in Hebrews 11, as he goes through this list, look at the list in detail. Cain, who was the brother of Abel, he didn't worship God authentically. He was offered an opportunity to change, but instead he decided not to change. He was jealous of his brother and ended up killing him. Noah was a warrior of the faith and built the ark. But then we read it a few chapters later, he got so stupid drunk in his tent that he ended up passed out naked and his sons had to come in and cover him up. How could he do that? Because he, he makes mistakes. We all do it. None of us have arrived. None of us are perfect. These people weren't perfect. Read through the Bible. The characters that God used were often raw and challenging, but they were also bold leaders, and they were strong, but they also had faults. Read about Abraham, who obeyed God's call and left the land to head toward the promised land, but what we often don't notice is that, God, that Abraham was also disobedient. You read about Moses, who became a murderer, and he murdered one of the uh, Egyptians, and then he let... He let fled to the wilderness for 40 years because he was ashamed, stayed away from God. We read about Rahab, who was a prostitute, but eventually became a hero of the faith. We all have challenges, guys, all of us. We all have skeletons in our closet. I read a few years ago in Chicago, they were tearing down a large building because it was built so close to other buildings, they couldn't implode it, and so they had to tear it down floor by floor. They were on the 49th floor, and as they were taking that floor down, two guys found a skeleton in a very small closet behind an elevator shaft. They called the police. They wondered, who is this person? They were kind of excited. They thought maybe this skeleton is maybe like Jimmy Hoffa or something. We don't know who this person is. Maybe it's somebody important. Maybe it's somebody famous, and uh, it's just an unsolved murder maybe. Police did their test. They discovered who the skeleton was. The construction workers were dying to find out who. They asked, was it somebody important? Who is it? Police said, listen, it's not Jimmy Hoffa, but it is somebody important. He was the 1956 hide-and-seek champion. <laughs> I know. It's bad. It's so bad. 
It's so bad. It's not true. It's not true at all, but it's so bad. And I did all of that for this transition statement, transition statement. Here it is. We all have skeletons in our closet. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I know. Thank you very much. Here's the reality. We all do. We all do. Sometimes we hide that stuff in our lives. We stuff it down. We, we put them away. We all have that, all of us. And that's why we need people in our lives. We need safe people to be able to say, I blew it. I'm struggling. Can you pray for me? Hey, I'm in a challenging situation. Can you, can you come alongside of me? We need somebody that's going to say, hey, we're with you in this. We love you. We want to encourage you. We want to forgive each other, encourage each other, challenge each other, spur one another on toward love and good deeds, as the book of Hebrews says. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We all need that kind of team. We all need that kind of challenge. Now, here's another thing we need. We need to remain focused on Jesus and his mission. Look at what it says in Hebrews 12.2. We do this. We do what? We stay in the race, we stay faithful, we stay committed. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. That is such a beautiful, beautiful statement. If you want to grow in your faith and you want to maintain your faith for the rest of your life, focus on Jesus. Put your trust there. Just a word to the wise. If, if you put that kind of trust that you should be putting in Jesus and another person, you're always going to be disappointed because we all blow it. We all make mistakes. The best way to stay mature and grounded and anchored in your faith is to keep Jesus number one. Focus on him. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the initiator. Faith didn't just happen in your life. Jesus initiated that faith. Then he perfects it. He's not done with you. Some of you are sitting here right now, you're wondering, is Jesus done with me because of the things I've done? Is my faith journey over? Hey, the same God who started a work in you will see it through. He is not finished with you. He is the author, the perfecter of your faith, and that is so good. And then he says, because of the joy that awaited him, he endured the cross. He dis disregarded its shame, and now he is seated in a place of honor beside, God, beside God's throne. And that is so rich. Basically, Jesus did what no high priest could ever do. The high priest didn't sit down. He stayed standing day after day after day, making sacrifices for the people, making sacrifices in the temple for people. And then Jesus came along and he said, I'm going to be the sacrifice once and for all. And when I sacrifice me, the Lamb of God, I will take away the sins of the whole world. You won't have to do it every year, year after year after year, day after day after day. Instead, I will take the sins of the world upon myself. And then when he did, on the cross, he said, it's finished. My mission is finished. I've completed it. I, I have offered salvation to the world. And then it says, and then he sat down as if to say, I did it. I took care of it. I, I, he sat down at the right hand of God. And that is a sign of completion. It's done. And, and, and it's a sign of authority that he is the one who leads. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. And then he goes on to say, Think of all the hostility that Jesus endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After you have, have not yet given your life, and after all, you've not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Here's what he's saying. If you're struggling with depression or anxiety or frustration, if you're struggling with hardship or if you're struggling with challenges in your life and you don't know where to go, 
He says, you have not struggled to the point of the cross. He says, remember Jesus. Remember what he went through. He was all in for you. He gave his very best for you. He laid it all on the line for you so that you would be able to have a relationship with him. And he's just saying, now I'm asking you, will you be all in for me? Will you be all in for me? I'm pretty well known uh, in our CrossFit Mason community during competitions for coming pretty close to dying. That, that, that's, actually, that's actually true. That is, that is really true. That in CrossFit language, they call it your threshold. And uh, I, I do think it's, for me, it's somewhere between like death and life. I mean, it's like that serious, all right? And, and, but what that means is like when we have a competition, and let's say it's an hour, hour and a half, and I, I have a team of four or a team of six, I can tell you this, that team is going to know that they will get everything from me, everything I've got. And because of that, um, there have been a lot of very funny photos that have been taken of me over the years. I do not have them today, so I know you're disappointed, all right? I know, I know, I know, I know. Give me a workout, and I'll imitate it. I'll show you something. Just show up over there. You'll see it, but especially in a competition. Why? Because I'm going to push to that limit, to the threshold of that, and, and you know once I hit that, like I'm going to do my part of the competition, and my threshold, I think, is getting less and less over the, <laughs> over the years, right? But, um, but as you do it, you're going to give, I'm going to give you everything I've got, and then while you're doing your part of the workout, I'm going to look like and probably am very close to, to not making it. But then, when it's my turn again, all right, let's go, we'll re-energize, and we'll come back at it, and then I'll do it again and again and again. How many of you know, if you said to me, Stephen, I want you on your own to run on a treadmill, give it all you've got for an hour and a half, how many of you know I will absolutely refuse to do that, all right? And there's no way I'm doing that, no way. Even if you said, give your all for 15 minutes on a treadmill, I'd be like, no, I am not doing that, but... If I have three other people or five other people that look at me and we're locking arm in arm and we're saying we're going to get on that podium, let's give it all we've got, then you are going to get everything I've got. That's the difference between being alone and being on a team. That's the difference between purpose and mission and no purpose at all. If I have a purpose, if I have a mission, and if I have a team that I'm with on it, you're going to get everything that I've got. And that's what I'm asking for you all. You've got to say, we want to be part of something. We want to be part of something great. I need encouragement and support and challenge. I will not be at my best unless I have people around me pushing me to be my best, and likewise, I'm pushing them. Also, you need a mission. You need to make sure that you're not just about hanging out. How fun would have this swim meet been if those four guys would have been like, hey, we've worked together, we've trained together, and then they get to the meet and they just stand there and watch the French guys take the medal. How many of you know that would be boring and it would not be the right thing to do? But that is what Christian people do all the time. They look at each other, us four and no more. We don't need anybody else. Let's just challenge each other, encourage each other, love each other, support each other, study the Bible, pray together, but we're not going to get out. How boring is that? And how against God's will is that? That's why, starting next week, and then moving in the next five weeks after that, we're going to be really pushing you and talking about getting out of your circles and getting out of the upper room and making sure that you're getting on mission with Jesus. He gave his best. How can we not do the same? Paul writes to Timothy, in Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Now pause there. How many times did he say, I there, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. 
Store for me a crown of righteousness, the Lord righteousness will reward me on the day five times. In that verse, he says, me, 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 I, I, I. And you might think, okay, it's an individual story. No. He ends with, and not only me, but all of you who have longed for his appearing. This is not an individual sport. This is a team sport. And if you as an individual, I, I, me, 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 want to make it to the end, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, then you must realize that you are part of a team who all of us together, not only me, but all of us who have longed for his appearing are joining arm in arm to say we are on mission together and come hell or high water, we're going to make it. That's why in just a few minutes you're going to walk out of this room and into that room and go sign up for a community group. How many of you can say amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. God, we just give you thanks today for your love for us. Thank you, God, for giving us your mission. Help us to be on a team. Help us to be committed. Help us to look at other people and be encouraging and supportive to them. We need encouragement, challenge, support. We need relationships, God. And we also need to be on mission. 